All right, and welcome back to The Price for Paradise. My name's Woody, a.k.a. Creston Woods, and with me today, I have a family friend. He's a pitching coach, and I've known him for a long time, so um, I know a lot of the stories, but I want to give you guys a little bit of his background, and we're going to talk baseball today. So what's up, Jake? Welcome to the podcast. How's it going, Creston? Thanks for having me. All right, Jake. So, Jake, you're a pitching coach. Yes. Why? Just This is what made me fall in love with baseball was pitching um the opportunity was granted to me by the guy that trained me and your brother connor for years on end it felt like throughout high school um really this all started developing after covid when everything was shut down um i didn't have anywhere to train besides my house and i reached out to adrian who's my boss who runs 212 athlete where i work now and i trained with him for a little bit going back to school and he said like after you graduate like i'd love to offer you a job if you want it and finished up had probably my best year of college and just kept falling in love with pitching and decided i wanted to do this full time and took the offer and ran with it love to hear it, brother Thank all right you. and so so let's talk let's bring it back now you're a pitching coach you did work for 212 athlete so let's talk a little bit about your baseball career and what made you fall in love with baseball in general like uh talk a little bit about like like why you're a baseball player and what kind of your life like, took you on that yeah so growing up i played i tried a bunch of different sports soccer football basketball none of them just stuck like baseball did for some reason just the competitive competitiveness of being on a team and the individualistic aspect of it and like working on my body probably the sport that i just knew was the least physically demanding the most mentally challenging and one that i kind of fit my memo i wasn't always the strongest kid not the biggest or fastest kid but you didn't have to be super big strong and fast to play baseball growing up and yeah no i mean it's, it's a skill set that is different than you know a lot of others like people don't normally fling things across a diamond yeah. and you know swing a stick to yeah. try to hit a small round <laughs> object like you yeah. know it's it's quite a interesting sport out it, there it just i don't know what about it was so appealing it just i started playing it at a young age and out of everything it fell in love with it it's like just so tell us a little bit about your career. Um, you were a college athlete. So where yeah. did you start? So I started off at Mesa Community College. Mesa Community College. I played PV. You know, yeah, I mean, similar we were, story. We went yeah. JUCO and then D two boys. Yeah. Um, how, how was the JUCO life for you? It was very very tough at the beginning. Just yeah, you guys had a different experience over at Mesa yeah. than most we most had, teams, right? I'm we sure, we I'm have sure like the horror know. stories from what Mesa Community College is like. I'm sure you guys had like your fair share of like the weights early in the morning and. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, 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 like and that's that. like, like kind of the price for paradise yeah. when you're, you know, yep. a, a baseball player. You got to do the work. Yep. We had weights at 5 a.m. every day. Or no, sorry, not every day, three days a week. And then once a week in the fall, we had to run a mile under six minutes. And that was easily the most challenging part about Mesa. A mile under six minutes is fast. It's, like, it is fast. Like it, it sounds really, really hard. But once you kind of get the groove of it, I'm not going to say do it's it. easy, but it's, we had guys that were six, eight, like, 230 running it pretty easily oh so like, it, it can be easily done if you ramp up your cardio it's a mental just you gotta push through it six minutes of hell or a week of hell that's what our coach used to say like we never did any other conditioning besides that he said if you can do this for six minutes and push yourself that's all you need and then 
you'll get your conditioning at practice. Like if you run hard and work hard and all that, like that's your work for the week. But so you guys did that like every week, every week for the fall. So I think we did like 13 or 14 total. Oh snap. Yeah. 14 total. Yeah. Six minute miles. All if those you, high school kids. Yeah, if you that, didn't, you know, if you had didn't, to make a team. If then. you didn't pass it, if you didn't like make it under six minutes, you had to run it every day at practice before practice. And if you didn't make it at practice, you didn't practice that day. So <laughs> yeah, you just unreal. made it the first day and then you were good. Oh, there you go. That's the challenge. But uh, yeah, so I started off at Mesa, had two really good years there, one out of the bullpen, one as a starter. We were national runner up uh, my sophomore year. You guys went to the championship? Yeah, went to Enid, went to Oklahoma. Yeah, that was like. Lost on a ninth inning, go ahead, home run in the top of the ninth in the national championship game. Oh. Yeah. Did you get to play? I pitched the second game we were there, and I threw a really good game, but we ended up losing in extras, I think, that game. And then I think we won like four elimination games in a row to get all the way back to the championship. And we ended up playing the team that hosts the tournament from Enid. So I think we played in front of like a record-setting crowd. I think we played in front of like almost 6,000 people. Dude, that's awesome. At that little stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that was my Mesa journey. And then got connected to my school, Manual College, which is a Division II in Georgia. Kind of middle of nowhere farm town. But, Georgia, dude. Yeah. Completely different scenery. Yeah. And yeah. And so I was out in Hawaii, so I haven't like, yeah. you know, really dove deep we into went, your time in Georgia. So let's let's talk about that. Um so for kids who don't know this, like I got found there through field level, which is also how I got connected to Mesa. It's a recruiting website if like some of you people haven't heard of it. Um Went out there Sounds like visit. you should get yourself on yes. it if you field haven't level, heard of it and the, if you want to be a kid that you, wants to play. Yeah. Kids, if you want to play college baseball, that's the first place I recommend is besides social media, get a field level account. Um, and I think that's where I got connected from Hawaii Shuck Pacific helped, too. Shuck, yeah, yeah, Shuck with uh, Marcos helped me set that up for myself. So <laughs> that's how I got connected to Mesa. That's how I got connected to Emmanuel. But uh, played there for three years. Uh, next year with COVID, obviously. Um it was a lot more of a mental challenge than Mesa was in the sense that the competition was really good for who we played. We played some top 20 division two teams. We played an eventual national champion in North Greenville. Um, but Emmanuel baseball compared to Mesa baseball was very different in the sense of how it's played. Like Mesa's very scrappy, smaller dudes who just always get their chance and run with it yeah and, and it's like you're playing small ball you're yep. bunting guys around you're, you know you're doing doing your job hitting the ball yep. to the right side yeah and then east coast ball it's either long ball or strikeout it felt like oh really this, so it's a like completely different train. mindset yeah. yeah like one of my my roommate at emmanuel went to mesa with me so we both went out to georgia together and he was always a very consistent like line drive hitter and I'm not going to say it didn't play out there, but like his style of play compared to everyone else's style of play and what our coaches taught was very different for many reasons. Just big cornbread boys who are trying to hit the ball as far as they can every at bat. <laughs> hey, and, and what, so like, what do you think was better? So you played for both, right? Yeah. But you're a pitcher. So yeah. like, uh, would you rather face the scrappy guys? Or would you rather face the guys trying to hit the long ball it, every time? It depends on the style of pitcher you are. Like I enjoyed facing the the country boys more because I was a move the ball around four pitch guy who I would say was pretty good at throwing any pitch for strikes when I needed to. And as long as you don't miss over the middle of the plate, you're yeah. probably gonna have a lot of or not a lot of success. You'll have more success out there. But here in like Arizona with JUCO, they're just trained to just wood bat, put the ball in 
put the ball, the ball in play, play and, and just... like yeah everyone's a hitter yep. like yeah <laughs> and they're, they're battling for at bats out here yep. versus like you know you swing through a bunch of balls because you just you know changing uh timings yep. and different you know speeds coaches coaches out there would rather you swing hard at three pitches and whiff on all of them rather than put the ball in play early on move runners over it's a like People always talk about the stereotypical East Coast and West Coast baseball. I think that is very true with how they approach it there. Yeah, oh, very interesting. Yeah, and so uh, you played there. Um, what were some of like the highlights? Like probably some of the best moments over at Georgia. Um, I would say personally, my best one was the year after COVID, so 2021. Um, we're in a tight race coming down like the end of the regular season for conference. Not like fighting for middle of the pack, but like. The team we were playing the weekend going into the tournament was right there with us. We were playing for home field going into the tournament. And I threw a complete game on my birthday. Um, I think I gave up like two runs. Heck Only yeah. struck out like five or six. But Best birthday present yeah. ever. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? It, yeah. was, it was hard to – probably hard to top that. I threw a couple complete games out there, but that one probably stuck with me the most for the birthday reason. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And then uh, – so you're a – a college athlete and then your college career comes to an end and so did you want to like try to pursue more like keep going or was there just like yeah i i wanted to but i knew physically like i was so far behind with how hard everyone was throwing and like where the threshold had to be like i always compared myself to connor because connor got the chance to play and still has the chance to play professional baseball moving forward and velocity wise you know this like i was just I mean, even Connor has a hard time yeah. velocity wise. Which and he is throws crazy. 94. It's crazy. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, uh, the big leagues nowadays, everyone's throwing at 100 like, miles yeah. an hour. And you're like, is this even like yeah. 94? Like, it's insane. That's what Connor top, not top set, but that's what he can get up yeah. to if he needs it. But 88's not going to cut it, unfortunately. Yeah. So no. I yeah. knew it was time to hang it up after. Um, after that last year in 2022 so all right and then you decided it was over but you decided you still wanted baseball in your I, life i knew i wanted to be in baseball in yeah. some capacity and, and like better than i think you know most job like prerequisites uh like playing the sport for your entire life um gives you all the prerequisites yeah. you need to be a coach yeah and you've you've seen coaches you've seen so many different styles of coaching and so then you can kind of put your own perspective on to what do you think yep um you know a baseball team should be run yep and so you decided to become a pitching coach you work with adrian yes and so talk to us a little bit about adrian and how he set up 212 athlete and what that's all about so adrian got 212 set up after he was done playing college baseball he played at university of washington and then asu um and he just kind of set it up on his own. He's been running it. It's been a one-man show for, I think he's going on 12 years now. Um, he uses crossover symmetry. It's the same, like, warm-up and cool-off that he's been doing for 12 years. Um, he started with everything in the trunk of his car, driving to people to go do lessons. So me and Connor were some of the first people that I think he worked with pretty consistently. And every Saturday or every other Saturday, we'd meet at the Marcos, like – jv uh baseball field in between like they're in the tennis courts and adrian would pull up in his little uh little honda and pull everything out of his trunk <laughs> he's pulling out med balls baseballs trampolines like bands i don't not living out of his car but like working out of his car yeah and then mobile you yeah, know trainer he started getting into more uh, velocity camps and running bigger groups then eventually he started 
um, doing lessons out of like backyards of people who had the facilities. So a couple of houses in Gilbert where they have like cages in the backyard and mounds in the backyard. And he'd like pay right there pretty much and do lessons and camps there. And he's built it up over the 12 years to where we now have our own like facility in Mesa off of La Longmore and um, Southern right by MCC, fortunately. Yeah, yeah, your neck of the woods. Yep, <laughs> yeah. We have, uh, we have a hitting coach now. There's two pitching coaches. We run camps every weekend, individual lessons pretty much all afternoon, mornings in the summer. So to say that he's worked hard for it is quite <laughs> an, an understatement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so he's built up like quite a program. And so you um, run like a pitching coach side of it. And yes. so like what kind of athletes do you see? How many do you see a day? Like what's um, what's like the day to day like? So depends on like the time of year. During the summer, I'll do lessons pretty much. I'll do 10 or anywhere from like 9 to 12, 9, nine to 11 lessons a day, hour long each. Age really ranges. Like I've worked with kids as young as six years old. The average age I'll work with like one on one is probably 12 to 13. And yeah, then right at the with, age when they want to yeah. like start getting some coaching. Yeah, like and a, then... lot of, a lot of the kids that, that I see religiously are the ones that know they want to pitch and their parents know they want to pitch and they're just looking for a little bit of consistency and guidance getting into pitching more. I try to not just focus on physical stuff. I focus on the mentality of pitching, um, what a good warm-up routine looks like, try to get them to understand where their bodies are flowing and what they need to execute as pitchers. So that's like the challenge that I like with eight, with different age groups is high schoolers can get it pretty easily if they've been pitching for a while and they're just coming in to work on velocity. But I love working with younger kids who want to challenge themselves to pitch. And they're more moldable, right? And yes. so like once they figure out the pattern, they run with it for yes. like until they're that older kid. And yes. so, but if that older kid was never told like the right stride length, the right, you yep. know, way to push off the right way to pitch, um, then they're just, you know, building up this bad movement pattern that you're just going to have to undo later yeah. on. Yeah. Very, very rarely do we have high school kids that come in and have like inconsistent uh, movement patterns or mechanics that need to be fixed. It's just a matter of if they can get stronger or not. And that's on them to do outside of it. But younger kids will be very inconsistent with where their bodies go. And that's what we try to fix is the comparison I always make is MLB players when they miss their misses are marginal, like, very rarely do they have a miss. everything looks like the same yes. except yeah they have to move the bat just slightly differently yep. and at a different angle but it's like all on the same path yes. right i think i heard adrian talking about this a couple days ago like if you took three pitches from an mlb pitcher one's perfect one's missing or the next two are missing within like six inches of their target and one of them's like three inches one of them six inches so their misses are not very big and they're very consistent with where they're at most of the time obviously they're human they're going to let one or two go here and there but they are more often than not they know where the ball is going and that's what we have to like that's what i try to influence on kids early is yes velocity is important but at your age like the consistency is more important than anything else just let the body recognize patterns yeah like so if you can hit that you know target over and over and over again and then you can just build upon you know strengthening that yep. movement pattern but if you can't hit the target from the start yeah if you're strong but you keep you know throwing it in all the different directions yep. what's the point it's the i make the comparison to lifting all the time and you know this as a as a fitness coach and um when you're lifting like the form early on is the most important thing to get down like yes it's fun to throw around a lot of weight 
but the weight doesn't matter if the form's not right. Like you're not targeting certain muscles if the form's not there. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, just like in, in all weightlifting, right? Like yeah, if your form's off, yeah, your traps are over engaged on a bench press when you're really trying to lift up with your chest, yep. and that's just you know it, it's all down to the form of yep. it. Yeah, and 100%. so. Very nice. And so talk to me a little bit about like what it's like dealing with, well, so you don't run teams, you just run like individuals. We have, we have teams that come through now a lot more often because we have the space for it. So like once a month for the past three months, we've had a softball team that comes in and this goes for any throwing. Like you don't have to be a pitcher to work with us specifically, but it's just throwing in general. And then obviously I specify in pitching, but we have teams that come in and do like an hour and a half long uh, camp, I guess you'd call it, to where like they're just working on their lower half throwing, upper half throwing, velocity testing, like a little bit of everything working together. And then over the summer, we ran like camps for like groups of up to 10 with our hitting coach and me to where it's an hour of pitching, hour of hitting, three or four days a week. And with that time, we're showing them like every little detail that's needed for throwing and hitting like they have a video evaluation day. We have an upper body movement day, a lower body movement day, and then like a total body movement day. So, and you use a lot of analytics. You yes. use video. You use, um, you know, VLOs. We you do different like, types of. Like we, that. we do video, like video on the phone, obviously, just to show them like what they're doing wrong or right. And then we take velocity, like just on a radar gun. We're not. We don't have like the track man and and guess all that what cr- that's all you need right yeah. like to to become a better pitcher you don't need the you know the track man yeah. to teach better pitching it's, you know form. it's it's nice to see when you if you have it but at the age with kids we work with it's not the main target <laughs> that we have for them like the main target is just get consistent <laughs> and then as you get older like the spin becomes more important to where that's necessary but yeah again, when, not when your misses we, are you know yeah minimal it, like if you're trying to go from 91 to 92 or you're trying to take your curveball from 2700 rpms to like 2850 or something like that like that's when you need it but here at this age it's just not necessary it's just tracking with the eye are you throwing strikes and can you throw the strikes hard yeah and so before the podcast we were talking a little bit about how uh, it is when you become the teacher, you learn a lot more about pitching than when you were the actual player, yeah. right? And so I want you to break down some of the things that you wish you would have known as a player, like some of like, like maybe give me your top three so um, okay. things that you wish you would have known as a player now that you're a coach and you would have told yourself, you know, as a freshman in college. So the first thing that I always try to work on with kids that I wish I would have done earlier is I started doing this my senior year because I saw videos on it and I tried it. Um, Verbal keys, like when you're pitching to where if you can do it in training and you can do it over and over, it's easy because there's no pressure on you to do it. You're just working on movements, but then you get into game. If you don't know how to fix it in game, like it doesn't matter if you can do it in training because training doesn't compare to games. Yeah. So you have to be able to do it on the fly. Yes. So what I try to teach kids and we do this at the end of every lesson is we take notes. So that way they can verbalize to me everything that we're working on that day. I want them to tell me in their own words, what they felt like they did well mechanically. So that way, if they can take the input that I give them, apply it to themselves and reapply it to me through words, I know that they completely get it. And in game, let's say like they're missing glove side all the time and that's their miss in training. 
if I can give him a verbal cue and say, hey, like, hey, you got to keep your hip closed a little bit longer, like you need more direction with your lead shoulder, and they can tell themselves that in game and make the adjustment, that's that's all I try to teach is like for them to be their own so, coach. So yeah, so like when you find your trigger, like yep. like the because most of the time when you miss, you do miss in the same spots yeah. because like that's just um, where your energy's going and your your movement patterns off, yeah. right? And so that little cue, you don't need to know all the cues no. in the book. You just need to know your cues. You need you like, need the one that you miss more often than not. Like you need to be able to fix that. You're gonna make other mistakes, no doubt, but if you can fix the one that you make. Six times out of 10, when you're pitching, you're probably going to have a lot more success at least throwing strikes. And that's what I try to teach is just get yourself back in, like back into an bad, back into account by making a mental adjustment to make a physical adjustment. Don't just try to feel it out. Like you can't feel it in competition. You have to compete. So, yeah. So you got to take what, what's given to you yep. and, you know, use what you got yep. in the moment. 100%. All right. So that's one. Um, next one I would say is, and I learned this as I got older into college also training, training, training. It's going to suck when you first start doing it. Like if you, when it gets hard, like weightlifting, weightlift, yeah, like weightlifting, conditioning, like your body's going to want to quit and you're going to want to just crawl over and just be good for the day. Like that's not what the best of the best do in baseball. The best of the best are out there working their butts off every single day until their body. Yeah. Doesn't like, have almost, anything left. Yeah, yeah. Until like the, like the tank is empty for the day and then you got to refuel. So along with the training, like fueling yourself, like hydrating, eating well, sleeping well. And we talked about this when Connor came in for a bullpen the other day, like I finally started breathing better, like before I go to sleep and during work, like when I wake up in the morning, it really does help. Like, yeah, no, I'm all about the breath. It's, yeah. it's not something to take lightly because if you can control your breathing with your body, you can control like, you can't control soreness, but you can control like how the muscles move and workouts and control yeah. your ability to push yourself through workouts and stuff like that. And if you're on the mound and your chest is going up and down because yep. you're hyperventilating, <laughs> yep. like you're going to have a hard time dialing it in and throwing that next pitch. Yep. And like the guy on first base is going to, you know, take off running because he knows you're all anxious yep. on the mound. Like if, if you can't control your breathing when you're pitching in big moments, you're just going to fall into a different, you're going to fall into certain patterns. You have to be able to take deep breaths and slow your mind down. More importantly, like I love slow shots of when like big, big moments in postseason games on TV, they always zoom in on the pitcher or hitter and you can see like physically their shoulders moving up and down with their breath. And it's crazy. Like just, if you can slow your mind down in competition, what it allows you to take in and process throughout the game like there's it's like the bottom of the ninth inning and there's an entire crowd of people yep. cheering and this guy is on the mound and he's breathing at a like a five five pace it's just nice and calm yep. and you can just see it like his belly relaxed because you know that is going to give him the best chance yep to you know perform out there on the mound it's, and in, in that situation it's and the so, instinct to just let everything that you've worked for take over like you don't that you can just shut the mind off, let the body work, all the training that you've done, all the like everything you prepared for that moment just kicks in if you can just control your breath. Yeah. And so what was like the thing in your training that you think you could have done better to increase your velocity? Because you said velocity was the thing that was um, what you thought was the thing that, you know, took yeah. away from your career at the end. I and so... 
Yeah. What is the, what is like the key to that? I think more specific baseball training, like with, with Marcos and in high school, like I trained just to put weight on, like I didn't train a lot of like fast twitch, explosive muscles specifically related to baseball. And really up throughout college, like I maintained my body. I put on probably 30 pounds between my freshman and last year of college. So it's not like I wasn't gaining mass or getting bigger and stronger. It's just, I didn't train it specifically related to explosive movements because like baseball is always compared as like a marathon, like throughout a game, but like pitch by pitch and swing by swing, it's like a sprint. Like it's fast, sprint, it's fast sprint, movement. Sprint, it's, sprint, it's, it's sprint, sprint after yeah. sprint. It's fast movement. It's definitely not aerobic. It's anaerobic. It's yes. <laughs> like just letting the body, like the body has to go from zero to a hundred over and over and over again. And that's not how I trained. And I'm not saying that if I would have started doing that, that I would have gotten up to 95 or whatever, like that training would have done, but I don't know. But like, you don't like know. Maybe it would have, yeah. you know, and, and that's like, and, and, that. and, but that's what you would have told, you know, yep. younger you is like, Hey, it, sports specific training is yep. going to be the key. Yep. And that's true. Um, because like, you're not going to get better at throwing without throwing a baseball. And yeah. so what do you believe with like weighted balls and band work and stuff like that? I think like when it comes to weighted balls and bands, weighted balls are good for strengthening the arm. But you have to have the form to do it first. Like you have to know where your body's going to be every time. And that, like Adrian started doing that with with us when we were in high school, but he never really did it with younger kids because younger kids don't have the um, the muscle memory to do the same thing over and over. And the weighted balls mainly benefit arm strength, but you have to be able to do the same thing over and over and over again. You have to be able to throw. The same form yep. with a nine ounce ball versus a six ounce ball yep. versus a three ounce ball, like three ounce ball, whatever the, the, the weight light doesn't, one. Yeah. The weight doesn't matter. It's not about going out and throwing it hard. It's about like putting your mind kind of in a different pattern to where like you have to have the same timing of throwing a three ounce ball compared to a 12 ounce ball, then going back to a five ounce ball, like yeah, no matter over training, you know, yeah. and under training yeah, and so. over speed and it's all nervous system based. Right. Yes. And so when we throw a heavy ball, and we start activating all of those neuromuscular um, receptors. And then we go throw a regular baseball. It's just like swinging a heavy bat yep. right before you go up to swing um, your regular bat. It feels light as a feather. Yep. And same with the ball, right? And so it moves better because you're activating more mechanoreceptors than you know you were prior to um, when you were just throwing just the baseball, right? Yeah, but then you can't take that mentality of the baseball is lighter. I can throw it harder. The you baseball to, isn't lighter. It's not. It just feels, it feels lighter, lighter because right? of, you had like a ten ounce ball in your hand. But you have to be able to take timing and the form that you had with your ten ounce ball and apply it to the five ounce ball, and then same thing with the three ounce and all that. Yeah, and so you see like a disconnection when with like lower body and yeah. like separation and other things when you start getting into the weighted balls, and so that you just have to be conscious of that yeah. while you're doing it. Like if you if you watch videos from like driveline tread like any of these high advanced like baseball training facilities, and you watch their guys throwing weighted balls and bullpens, like they're all doing the same thing. And like I tell kids all the time, baseball is and pitching specifically compared to hitting because hitting you have to adjust for breaking balls and different velocities. Pitching is the most repetitive thing in sports. I think just in the sense of your golf. Well, golf even varies because like you <laughs> yeah. have like different lies, different attack uh, yeah, angles and true. stuff like that. Like pitching, you are bowling, getting, bowling, bowling is probably the most comparable thing. Close, yeah, right? yeah. Close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like baseball in the sense of the four major sports yeah. or three major sports, whatever you want to say is every movement pitching is the exact same. 
it's just who can do the same thing over and over and over again and then and even when you change the pitch like you want to keep it as close the, to like the only you thing know, that changes the same is like a hand hand placement, position, yeah. hand positioning like finger placement like those little details change but the body looks the exact same as it does from fastball to change up to curveball cutter whatever you want to throw it all looks the same yeah and so like the most repetitive uh you know thing in baseball is, is pitching right i think so yeah completely agree and so um what is the price for paradise uh you know to become the best pitcher ever like like you got you know if we've got over all the things but like what is what makes a good pitcher when you see one walk into the you know into the room i could say the same thing i've been saying repeatability there's velocity obviously control the best pitchers and baseball players in general are the ones who do more when no one's looking and you could say the same thing about every athlete but it's it's true like in a world where everything is looked at under a microscope with social media and stuff like kids are posting themselves on social media with like what they do at home and the routines that they have like you have to do more than what everyone else is doing and it's still probably not going to be enough like yeah no i mean it's such a crazy world out there nowadays like i have a, a few kids that i have in my kids class they're like 11 years old and yeah. i have a social media page just yeah. for their baseball it's ridiculous and they're like graduating in like 28 or like so <laughs> it's like it's like some like yeah. crazy number and so i'm like these kids have to start so much earlier yeah. and they have to specialize so much earlier and that's not always the best because some of the best athletes are like multi-sport athletes yeah. the guys that can play football baseball basketball and then they specialize a little bit later like high school age i, I always encourage that at a young age like when we have kids in seventh and eighth grade playing different sports like go be athletic go have fun while you can but then like come the time when you're 12 13 14 that's when if you want to be serious about a sport you have to dedicate almost all of your time to it obviously you still go do everything else to be athletic but you've got to know early on that this is going to be what you dedicate almost all of your day to in the sense of you've got to be willing to wake up before school and work out and you got to work out at school and you got to go to practice and you got to do more at home and then you still have to have time to like eat and socialize and sleep and all that and so what would you tell the parents um of the kids like what is like the lifestyle that they're getting themselves into when they you know have a baseball player as a you know a son i don't think like the basics of it is are the same to where it's like tournaments every weekend um the difference mm -hmm. is training like they might have a day or two throughout the week where they're specifically going to someone for hitting or for pitching or for strength and then don't expect a lot of your son's free time to be with you guys if he's serious about baseball because I hear stories all the time of kids that are out in their backyards for two plus hours, like after school, hitting off a tee and throwing into nets and like training in their backyards. Like yeah, and all our free time spent with our friends is yeah. like to go play catch and to go hit at the cages yeah. and do those things like we were in high school. Yep, kids are kids are evolving now to where like if they are serious about a sport, they are going to dedicate a lot of time to it. Um, parents financially can benefit themselves by just getting everything for their kids right away. And I know it's like a pretty penny early on buying like a, a bucket of baseballs and a net and a tee. But if your kid wants to do it, he will do it on his own. Because like most of the people that come to us, like have all their resources at home too. And we always tell kids like we probably make 100 plus throws every hour with every kid. But the kid who makes 100 plus throws every day is going to get 700 plus reps versus the kid who gets 100 if he just comes to us for work. 
the kid who gets 700 is probably going to get better faster. So what do you think about um, arm care overuse and how much a kid can actually throw there, um, there without is, elbow problems? There is overusage. Um, that's something that varies kid by kid because some kids get injured early on and some kids have rubber arms for all their lives. That is like a little more specific to training too. It kind of varies by the person. Some kids can throw only two to three days a week without pain. Some kids can throw five to six to seven. Like you have to, from a young age, be very observant on what your body responds well to and doesn't respond well to um, day by day. Yeah. And I think it's like a building up capacity properly situation where like, yeah, don't start at 100 throws a day if yeah. you're not, you know, there yet, right? Yeah. Like, like, you should maybe 50 throws a day, but, like, you can be, you know, dial it down on, like, the size, and then you can build off yeah. of that if you and wanted to do something like that. It's always, like, it's like lifting, too. Like, lifting, when you get older, if you want to be serious about growing mass and all that, you're probably lifting heavy, like, five, six, seven days a week. But you're doing something every day of the week, regardless of whether it's heavy movement or not. So, you're, like... Like you, you're, you're a good blend of like, you go for runs almost every day. If, if anything, you're at least doing that, then you have your, your breathing exercises, you have your heavy days of lifting, like you're doing something every single day. It's just a matter of whether it's a heavy dose of stuff or not. Yeah. Because like sometimes you can't just lift heavy, 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 No, but you can lift heavy, go for a run, lift heavy, go for a run, lift heavy and still do everything, something every day, mobility work, all of that. Same thing goes for arm strength. Like. We try to recommend kids of all ages throw at least five days a week, but it's like a day of long toss and a bullpen day and then a day of working like on your mechanics with like a with a towel, towel drills or doing it in front of a mirror to where you're still getting the muscle memory pattern, but you're not necessarily putting wear and tear on your arm. And then obviously as you get older, like you get more technology, like technological with recovery like we talked we talked earlier the stem machine yeah and there's so many different ways to recover with like physical therapy and stuff like that oh yeah no like i mean um one of my favorite tools is i got a rice bucket right over here and it is probably the number one thing i think kids if you if you wanted to buy something super cheap that could change your arm care routine would be getting a rice bucket and just doing some like pronations and some supinations, which yep. is just like a turning the doorknob and grabbing the rice, right? Yep. And so, um, doing that over and over again will build one like tendon resilience in the elbows yeah. and shoulders, and like definitely give you forearm strengthening, which is going to be arm care, yeah, for like any baseball player. With, right? with how elite people move nowadays, like you have to build a muscle around the tendons like you you can train tendons but it's easier to train muscle so if you can build up like your forearm muscles biceps and triceps everything that surrounds the the tendon of the elbow it's easier to maintain that yeah it's harder to penetrate those muscles than it is to just target tendons and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and so rice bucketing, um, I'm a big fan of band work, yes. internal, external rotation 100%. with that band 100%. and getting through like different arm paths with the band and feeling which arm path is right for you. Cause some people sit in different ways. Like some people are yep. up high over the top and some people are a little bit lower over the side. And so, um, yeah, like what kind of style were you? I was, I was always considered, I think, like low three quarter, like low three not, quarters. not sidearm, not straight through, not over the top, just kind and, of like 
I don't low low three quarter. Yeah, and how do you assess it. that um, for a guy uh, and his arm path and like? Um, do you try different arm paths with a guy, or do you like see what they, you know, their mechanics look like, and then you adjust from there? The only like the only time I will ever change a kid's arm path or the way his body moves is if it doesn't if it hurts him. Like if kids are making throws at the beginning of the lesson and they're hurting, warming up, like that's probably yeah. something physically that we need to change. But I try to avoid changing arm slot, arm path, body path. Like I'll try to work around those little things first. Just because that's the way that they've kind of raised themselves and that's what their bodies are used to. But I try not to change every, like, I don't want to create a cookie cutter thrower because that's not what baseball is anymore. Like, there's different ways to swing a bat, there's different ways to throw a ball. And, like, the funkier ways sometimes work better. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, there's, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but there is a right or wrong, like, mechanical way to do it so that you don't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, different mechanics call for different ways to take care of your arm and different ways to train it, but, at the end of the day, like there's a there's a basics to what you have to follow for everyone, no matter what. Yeah, to get the most optimal, you know, hundred mile an hour throw. Yeah. Like, like you have to do everything right yeah. to throw at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, that is a different kind of speed. Yeah, like there's <laughs> like there are multiple ways to throw a hundred, like you said, like with your arm and like your slot and the way your body moves, but at the end of the day it's everyone doing the same everyone's pushing off they're yeah. you know rotating their hips they're getting a lot of layback yeah. and they're slinging the ball yeah. with like extension and like, that's, yeah. that's where <laughs> like that's where the numbers come into play and stuff like that like with Trackman and um rapsodo and all that crap but that's not what we're yeah, yeah, we're not there yet. Safe. We're not yeah. there yet. We'll not, get there. Not quite there yet. We'll get yeah, there Yeah, one, one, one of these days, all the kids are going to be seeing their own track mans at home and, yeah. like, you know, doing it off their <laughs> phone up. or yep. something 100%. like that. Yeah. 100%. But cool. So, Jake, thanks for coming on the podcast. Do you have any last words before we get you out of here? I'm all good. Just kids, if you're out there listening and you want to keep playing baseball, you just got to be serious about it. Same thing with anything in life. Just... And if you hard. love the game of baseball, like it's not over when your career is over. You can yep. become a coach, and it's honestly one of the most fulfilling and fun jobs out there. I agree. And you know, working with kids is—you actually make an impact. You don't like you know feel bad about what I you don't. do, and you make good enough money to make it work. You I, know, I do not do this for money. Like if it, if it was solely for money, I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> yeah. I just I enjoy. I love baseball. Love working with kids, man. Yeah, that's why I do it. It's, it's just, a lifestyle it's to, to have much better than behind the cubicle. Yeah, 100%. I will, <laughs> I will die on that hill. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right, Jake. Thanks, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week on The Price for Paradise. My name's Woody and Aloha.